Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Here they are, your Weekend Warriors, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show built by Par Lumber. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookson. We're coming to you live from the Weekend Warriors Workshop. That's right. Tony and I created a workshop that we <laughs> yes, now we broadcast from. And it's janky. But you know what? It's ours, and that's fine. Well, we're constantly working on it. <laughs> that's right. On the weekends. Yeah, that's right. When we have very little time. Yes, the Weekend Warrior Workshop only gets worked on during the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got another great show lined up for you today. Tony, tell Agreed. everybody what we're talking about. Everybody can benefit from this show. We are going to talk about home security. And we're not even going to beat around the bush. We're going to come to you straight right now. We're talking about home security. There's a few very important facts that Corey and I have learned that uh, have essentially brought us to the point where we need to bring this information to you. Well, absolutely, because... You know, burglaries, home break-ins, they're crimes of opportunity. And we're going to talk today about ways to reduce opportunity yeah. for somebody to break into your home. Exactly. If somebody's, you know, planning on breaking into your home, they're going to create a plan right. and follow through with it. There's nothing you can do with that. Yeah. But if somebody is walking down the street and they see an opportunity on your property versus the neighbor's, they're going to go after you. That's right. And here's the thing. Um, people covet things that they are familiar with, right? Things that they see every day. So if you've got somebody that lives near you and walks your street daily, and they see that you come home at the same time every day, and you have two vehicles, and you, uh, you know, all of these things, and what time? And then suddenly they're walking down the street, it's dark or dusk, both of your vehicles are gone, uh, garage doors open, and they're like, they're not home. That's opportunity right there. Uh, you avoid that opportunity by closing your doors. All of these things, we're going to talk about all of these things that people don't do regularly that result in them being burgled. That's right. Tony, two million <laughs> burglaries are reported every year. Two million houses were burgled. That is, um, last year. there also could be some houses that were burgled twice. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> you know, 30% of all of those burglaries were through an open door or window. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. 66% of all burglaries are residential. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, you're not safe if you're a renter. I mean, not, you're not any safer if you're a renter. Uh, and the highest percentage of burglaries happen during the summer. And then 300, you're 300% more likely to be broken into if you don't have a security system. But I'll tell you what, Tony, if you have a sign, if you just have a sign out front that says that you have a security system, you've already increased your odds by 300% of not getting broken into. Because they're going to assume, if there's a sign, that you have a system. Absolutely. They're not going to test it. I know that guy's got a sign. Actually, he's got three signs. But he probably doesn't really have one, so I'm going to break in there. That's not happening. That's right. It's absolutely not happening. A burglar, again, burglaries, um, most burglaries are are crimes of opportunity. Uh, you're going to get neighborhoods where there's kids, high school kids, roaming the neighborhood, being hoodlums. Yeah. 
checking doors, yeah. you know, car doors. <laughs> that happens all the time where kids walk through neighborhoods, they check car doors for open cars, and they rifle through open cars, and that's it. They're not breaking windows. They don't want to draw attention to themselves. Right. They're just, oh, open door. Okay, what do we got in here? Yep. Oh, she left his wallet in here. Absolutely. She this... left her She left her briefcase in here. And it doesn't have to take long. It takes 45 seconds. Oh, yeah. The door is open. They walk in. They may choose to just grab the first thing, laptop. They might just grab a flat screen TV. They might just grab a wallet. Uh, you know, whatever they see. I mean, you know what, folks? It could be a microwave. That's still $250, right? I mean... Oh, the pawn shop's probably 25 bucks. But <laughs> uh, whatever That's probably the is. worst part about getting broken into, right? Is knowing, knowing that the things that you paid so much for are being hawked on the street for very little money. Yeah. We have, uh, folks, we have brought this show to our listeners before. It is a very good show because it reminds you how vulnerable we are. Uh, we feel like in our home that we're safe. We are safe at home. This is my, this is my refuge. It's my, uh, it's my place where, where bad things don't happen, right? Except guess what? It's just, it just does. It happens there. And so this show that we do uh, maybe once a year, right around this time of year, because we know that's the summer months or when it happens. It's hot outside. We've opened the windows to let any glimpse of a breeze to come into the house and give us a little bit of reprieve from the heat. And um, and that's what happens. We leave. You're not going to close the windows. People don't close the windows every time they leave the house. I'm just running one mile up to the market. I'm grabbing milk. I'm coming back. It happens. That's an opportunity. It happens. Absolutely. So this show that we're having here is to to remind you, to share with you some of the facts so that you can make informed decisions. And if it takes you a few minutes to lock up the house before you leave, then that is the opportunity you should take. But you know, Tony, there's I think there's a fine line of always thinking about being broken into and, you know, always worry. You kind of become complacent with the, uh, you know, the neighborhood that you live in. You think, oh, nobody's in this neighborhood that's going to break into my house. But then you also don't want to re- ride that line of always being in fear. Right, right. Absolutely. I you understand know? that. You definitely want to be comfortable. And if you're constantly worried about somebody breaking into your house, then that comfort level kind of goes right out. Well, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about things that you can just do around your home that that are just common sense mm-hmm. that will give you better security around your home so that an opportunist criminal doesn't walk by and go that's the house right that I'm going to break into right now because I've got 5 minutes yeah you can do, we're going to talk about the things you can do to take the target off of your house yeah they call it hardening hardening the target harden the target make it difficult Make it smaller and farther away, and <laughs> and maybe just we'll harder. Whitewash it a little bit so it's well, harder like, to see. Like like for instance, for let's just talk for instance. The very first thing, the first line of defense, is your door. Right. Which door? Your entry door. You know, really, it's and here's the thing. I think Corey, you and I, Corey, even though we're having this conversation, we're still susceptible to fall into that guise of. Of that the the entry door is the first and most important thing. Here's the fact: you're right. The entry door is very important, but it's not any more important than the back door, 
then the garage door, then the door from the garage to the house. Every single entry point, folks, is as important as every other entry point. Corey says the entry door because we use it most often. Well, some people do. You don't use your front door very often, almost at all. I don't. But I'll tell you what, I drive up to your house pretty regularly, and I find the garage door open. Now, not the garage door open and you're gone, but the garage door open, right? What's the difference between having your garage door open and having your front door open? We're going to talk more about that when we come back from this break. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking about home security. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, things you can do around your home, common sense things uh, that will help you not get broken into. Right. I've also, Tony, a little bit later, I've got a list of hiding places that you can hide things in your home that I guarantee you probably have never even imagined. They're not going to, They're not going to get found. That's exactly what we're saying. Oh, they're, yeah. They're not going to get found. And another little segment that we're going to talk about today, what to do if, you, if unfortunately, you have been the victim of a burglary. Yes. And we're going to talk about that as well. So it's going to be a fun-filled, uh, information-packed show today. So you won't want to miss anything. Before we went to the break, we were talking about entry points, right? Mm-hmm, Corey mm-hmm. said uh, to us, he said, the most common-sense thing, Close your front door, your entry door. Close it and lock it. When you go out the door, close it and lock it. The difference between closing and locking your entry door and closing and locking your garage door or the door that goes from your garage to your house or your back patio door or the door that goes out to your hot tub, the difference between all of those and your front door? What? Nothing. There's no difference. An entry point into your house is an entry point into your house. It doesn't matter whether it's your front door, your side door, your back door, your garage door, or a crawl space, or an, or for that matter, Corey, an unlocked window. An unlocked window is just like an open door. If they can get in easily and quietly, then that is, uh, that is the way that they will get in. Let's talk about some facts. Yeah. Did you know that most burglaries take place between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m.? What? While you're at work. Absolutely not. I did not know that. Burglars avoid houses with security systems. Of course. Of course. Because, again, crimes of opportunity. Crimes of opportunity. That's right. Majority of break-ins are committed by burglars who live in your neighborhood. This is what I already knew. I am telling you that people covet or desire or envy... Things that they see every day, something that you see that's not yours or that you can't have and you see it every day, that is what you want. That's what your that's what your mind wants or what your body wants or naturally it's what you desire. You can't help that. 
Now, the difference between you and everybody else or all of those burglars is you don't act on it. You say to yourself, yeah, I want that, but I can't afford it or I can't have it, so I won't have it. Burglars just say, I want that and I'm going to have it. <laughs> I'm that, taking it. That's, that's exactly what it is. They covet what they see every day. Did you know it takes a burglar less than 10 minutes on average to burgle a house? Wow. I'll tell you what, I think it's a lot less than 10 minutes in some cases. If they go in and see what they want or, you know, um, see immediately what the one thing was that they were in there for, or if what they see reaches that point of dollar value that they need, I mean, they go in there because they need something and they find it right away. They're out. That could be 30 seconds, 45 minutes. That's right. Uh, did you know 34% of all burglars enter through the front door? Wow. 34%? That's a very high number. Yep. Uh, most burglars go right to the master bedroom first. Wow, I definitely did not know that either. The average dollar value for a burglary is around $2,200. Interesting. Here's the thing. We have to just stop you here. Let's go back to the last one. You said burglars usually go to the master bedroom first. I'm, I'm finding a difference between, you know... The your average burglar and me. You see, if I was burgling a home, I would definitely go to the kitchen first because I need energy to steal all of that stuff. So I will go to the fridge. See if they've got any Coke. I will find a soda with some caffeine and maybe some protein. I'm thinking <laughs> some some little bark see, some barks of pork or something. By the time you get a snack. Some medallions. You're already in 10 minutes. Pork medallions. Or <laughs> some happy dogs. Some summer sausage or something. <laughs> and, and then I will begin. But I have to be, you know, you, you need your energy. Somebody's going to break into my house just looking for pappy dogs. Would you have guessed that the average property dollar loss per burglary was $2,200? I think it's probably more. I'll bet you. I mean, I'm sure it raises every year. I mean, you got to think if somebody kicks in your door, what's an entry door cost? Yeah, that's on 350 average, or $400 oh, right there. Yeah, on the cheap. That's for the that's just for the material, just to buy the door. Right. And then the labor for somebody to put it in, if somebody you're, kicks in your front you're door, you're not doing it yourself. You're paying a $1000. Yeah. to fix that. I agree with that. I mean, I agree that's a it's a very average number. Yeah. But think about it right now, Tony. Think about the things you have in your master bedroom that somebody could quickly rifle through right now in less than 3 minutes. And take off. I have a... They have a pillowcase because you've got pillows on your bed. I have a Spider-Man stuffed animal that it would it would devastate me if I lost that. I mean, I feel like I need to go home and put it in a safe right now. <laughs> it's priceless. I, I it's, priceless. Said, it's a stuffed Spider-Man. I said Spider-Man stuffed animal. It's really just a stuffed <laughs> Spider-Man. A Spider-Man stuffy? He's not an, he's not an animal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of stuff Think in the master cash, bedroom I wouldn't want to lose watches, family heirlooms, cash. I mean, do you have any cash sitting in a, a dresser? I'll tell you what I keep in my bedroom. I keep a firearm in there. And so, and that's expensive and dangerous and registered to me. So, uh, so that's something I wouldn't want to lose. Um, that's, that's a big deal. There's a lot of things in the master bedroom I would not want to lose. Yeah. Including my stuffed Spider-Man. You're stuffy. You're yeah. Spider-Man stuffy. <laughs> Someone is home during nearly three out of every 10 burglaries. Oof. That is scary. That is scary. You know what? The $2,250 loss is one thing, but knowing that I'm home 
when it happens is that's very scary. Or knowing that they're willing to come in with somebody home. Scary. Less than 15% of all burglaries result in arrests. Less than 15%? Isn't that crazy? There's a lot of people getting away with it out there. Absolutely. A lot of people getting away with it. And we already know that it's most common in the summer months. It's most common between 10 and 3. When you're, it, yeah, it's coming during the summer. It's coming when you're at work. And it's coming because you have an open door or you have a great opportunity where somebody can just enter in, be in and out in minutes, and nobody is none the wiser. Yeah, and here's something else, folks, that we don't think about. Uh, the fact that it's summer months, it's 100 degrees outside, we have air conditioning units in our windows. You think that air conditioning window or that air conditioning unit can't be pushed aside or pulled out or moved out of the way so somebody can step right into that window? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. These are the things you have to address. Windows that are open or unlocked and, and that are not properly secured, doors that are unlocked or open, all of these opportunities are the things that we need to be watching out for. So let's talk a little bit about things people can do because, you know, to become, to limit your, I guess, your footprint on a, for a burglar, for, for a burglar to look at your home and say, uh, I'm not trying that one. A very good tip is to get some home security signs. If you don't have uh, the money to get a home security system or pay a monthly home security fee, you can buy signs on Amazon for five bucks. Just put them up. Yeah. And that right there is probably enough deterrent to prevent a majority of break-ins. At, at the very least, home. at the very least, it's make going to twice. make you less of a target immediately. Less of a target. Another thing you can do is make sure that your door has a deadbolt. Make sure that you have a nice solid core door and that it's installed properly. Did you know that most doors that I see installed are installed incorrectly? Oh, man. You think about the deadbolt on any door. How many screws are in it and how long are they? Yeah. We'll talk about that after the break. We definitely should. We're going to take a quick break, folks. When we come back, more home security. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Today we're talking about home security. And uh, before the break, we were talking about the easiest way to secure your door or your entry door, or your side door, or anything, is to make sure that it has a deadbolt on it. I mean, a deadbolt is uh, quite a bit stronger than the standard uh, latched door handle. Uh, but one thing a deadbolt doesn't do is if you install it incorrectly. That's right. It doesn't work. That's right. So. There's a method of installing your deadbolts and your uh, doors uh, that help them be safer or, right. or more 
secure. There you go. Secure. Thank you. It helps them to function properly and do what you want them to do. Essentially, if you've got a handle set on the door, that allows it to latch. If you've got a handle set with a lock, that allows it to latch and lock. If you've got a deadbolt with that locking handle set, now you've doubled down on your security of that door. Its ability to remain closed when it's being pushed on, rattled, kicked, nudged, whatever. Right, and the most secure would be uh, a three-point lock. Right, yeah, or a, you can or get a, a four-point lock. Yeah, you can get a door uh, with a two or a single point, which is the one that just goes in the side. That's probably what you're most used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Or they have doors with three and four-point locks where locks go up and down into the jam, right. as well as in the center where the thing is. That's right. So that's the most secure on that realm. But a deadbolt. Did you did you know? Well, you probably know this. When you install a deadbolt, it comes with puny little three-quarter inch screws. That's right. That you install that little strike plate into your jam. That's right. What you're supposed to use is three or three and a half inch screws and screw that directly into the wood framing of your home. Right. And on the other side, the hinge side, you're also, they recommend removing the screws, one screw out of each of your hinges and install a three and a half inch screw there as well. Yep. That does two things that keeps the door uh, from sagging, but it also uh, makes it a lot stronger from being kicked in. That's right. Yeah. The, the jam itself is only three quarters of an inch thick. Inherently that's, it's pretty, um, it's pretty streamlined, pretty thin, right? Um, but you attach that jam to a doubler, which is two studs, a king stud, king stud, yep, and a and a and a trimmer or whatever that's there, and you have three inches of solid meat to attach to. If you don't utilize that by attaching your door frame to it, then you're missing an opportunity to make your door very strong, not just at the latch, but also at the deadbolt and also on the hinges. So one screw in each hinge, uh, two screws in the latch strike plate, and two screws in the deadbolt strike plate and now your door has become as secure as you want it to be it's the most simple thing that people forget they use those little screws to install your deadbolt but now you're only relying on a quarter of an inch of wood yeah honestly that's all that's between that and breaking so install those screws make it a lot more secure yeah tony you actually had a good idea and you did this at your house you put a keyless entry on your door. I did. Tell me how that works. Well, here's the thing. The one that we got was about 125 bucks. Kind of uh, spendy. Yeah, that, the, but you don't have to spend that much. You can get them for less than 100 and they're getting cheaper all the time. It's becoming more and more popular. Um, really, your handle set uh, does not change. Your handle uh, that's on your door now stays the same. It only replaces the deadbolt. And so you don't need a key for your deadbolt anymore. The deadbolt is operated by a keypad, and just like any other keypad, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, zero. You put in a code, four or six or eight digit code, and it unlocks the deadbolt. Uh, you can you can uh, have a, a handle set with a lock or without a lock. You can have a keyed handle set and a keyless entry for double security, but um, it definitely makes it a lot easier and not having to reach for your key every time you want to open the well, door. Well, and they even have those things that are connected to Wi-Fi. So if you have 
uh, say somebody coming over to repair something. You don't have to say, okay, well, I'll leave a key under the doormat. You can just send them a code, a one-time use code, and then when they show up, punch that code in, it notifies you. Hey, uh, your one-time repair use person code has is been here. used. Yeah. yeah. And then when they leave, they lock it, and that's the last time that code can used yep. can be used. Yeah. Uh, so smart. I mean, that's really the way to go because one of the ways people break into homes is by seeing you use the spare key. Right. Where does everybody keep a spare key? In a fake rock in the flower bed next to the entry door. Right. And can you point a fake rock out? I can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, mean they, they're pretty obvious. They've, they try to make them look realer and realer. But the fact is, uh, when you are looking at, it, it takes you three seconds to pick up the five rocks that are next to the door. Uh, if, or under the doormat. And if one of them's light or has a little thing in the bottom of it, I mean, that's, there's, you know what? People out there are as smart as you. You hide the key, they're smart enough to find it. It doesn't have to be rocket science, folks. Well, I've got some spots I'm going to tell you about later. Because you're not going to guarantee you, you won't. You're find not going to hide the key in a place that's so difficult to get to that it makes it hard for somebody else to find. You want to put it someplace that you can get to easily, and what you can get to easily can be found easily. Well, I and feel the bigger like. thing, the bigger thing I think is a criminal seeing you access it. It's kind of like uh, having your garage code pad on the front of your garage somebody walking up and seeing you enter your garage code it's the same thing if somebody sees you entering your garage code the minute you're not home they can walk up and enter your garage what's it take 15 seconds for your garage to go up they close it behind them and they have free reign of your house yeah for for as long as they want until somebody comes home right right uh, yeah, so that's, it, it's only a secret as you make it, <laughs> right? <laughs> so there you go. If, so that, yeah, that's a really cool idea is to get a keyless, uh, deadbolt slash entry door lock, uh, that, that you have a code. And the other thing with those Wi-Fi ones is that you can, you know, when people are coming and going, uh, they actually, a lot of these have an app that will notify you when you're a child gets home from school. Right. So-and-so just unlocked the door. So-and-so relocked the door. Yeah, it's all there. And here's the other thing. Or if you go on vacation and you get to the airport and you say, oh, I forgot I to the lock door? the door. Yeah, you, you can, can literally remotely lock and unlock the door from your phone. Uh, if somebody's there and they're locked out, you can unlock it. Uh, it, it there's a, It's amazing. It's amazing what you can do uh, with some of those things. What about the sliding patio door? I mean... I've seen so many videos where people can walk up to a sliding patio door and just take it off its track. Yeah. How do we prevent that from happening? I mean, I think it's kind of like a lock pick, right? We know that people have the ability to pick locks and do it quickly. I can't pick a lock. (laughs) Can you pick a lock? No. Okay. But there are people out there who can. Those same types of people are the people who know how to simply remove a slide panel from a patio door. I don't really know how to do it, but I do know that it only has one latch point and that latch point can be compromised um, and it doesn't have to take very long. So yeah, you're right. What you do is be smart about it and block the track that that door slides in. If you block the track, it doesn't matter how much somebody moves around that door, it's not going to open because it has to be in the track, right? Right. Yeah. So an easy fix there. 
cut a piece of dowel rod or an old broomstick, just the width of the, the rest of the door track behind the door and slide it in there. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't recommend that for a door that you use all the time because you're constantly having to take it out and put it back and take it out. And that makes you not want to put it back. Exactly. And then you end up not, yeah, then you end up without having a secure door. But there are products on the market that have hinges on them that will slide down. You know, like if you're just interested in using it at night, uh, it's like a deadbolt. You slide it down and it goes in place right uh, right in the middle of the door mm-hmm. or when you're on vacation. And the other thing about that is it's clearly visible from the outside. Mm-hmm. So if a criminal walks up to your door, they see that big steel uh, latch there, they're not going to try. Right. I can't get this door out. It's locked. Yeah, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. Um, again, just to revisit really quickly, the overall idea here, we're removing opportunity uh, and that is going to reduce the likelihood that you are a target. We don't want you to be a target. And the way you avoid that is by reducing opportunity and taking advantage of these things when you can. Tony, did you know that it takes six seconds to break into a garage? Six seconds. I think we actually watched that video. That's amazing. I want to talk about that after this break. More home security. When we get back, you're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. You won't want to miss this. Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking about home security. And uh, before the break, I had mentioned that it only takes six seconds to break into a garage. Tony and I found this video on YouTube where this guy showed how to break into anybody's garage with a wedge of wood and a coat hanger. Yeah, there was more than one. There's like 26 second videos on there. Yeah, it's, where it's you, all over the internet. Where you take a wedge of wood, you wedge it in the front, you reach in. And all you do is you pull that emergency release release handle, and boom, they're right. in. Yeah, the emergency release handle releases your door from your garage door opener mechanism if it's installed there. And once you do that, then your, your door opens automatically. Uh, here's the thing, folks. Your garage door has a handle and a lock, usually. Mine does. Most garage doors do. Um, you need to lock your door... Um, even if you have a garage door opener, because it can be separated from that uh, mechanism and ultimately be openable. Corey was telling me what his dad used to do when he was a young man. Uh, He remembered that there was one specific way that his dad locked the garage door. How did your dad do that? Well, you know, every garage door track is loaded with holes. When you go to the side of it, you see it the garage door track that the wheels roll in. Uh, there's holes all over the place on that thing. Uh, what he used to do is just take a a deadbolt or a or a, la- a lock, right, like a padlock, a padlock, clip it through one of those holes and lock it. That way, you can't physically open the door because the roller can't get past it. The roller just fits in that track. Correct. 
uh, even if somebody broke in, right, if they broke in the side door, kicked in the side door, uh, one of the easiest ways for thieves, uh, if you are on vacation, is to open the garage door back in their uh, van and close the garage door in their free reign to load it up. Without being seen. Yep. Yeah. And uh, as soon as they're full... They open the garage back up, drive out, yeah, and never to be seen again. And keeping they've stolen that, everything in your house. Yeah, keeping that garage door closed when you're not there is uh, is a huge benefit to you. So find a way to keep that closed, whether it's use a, a pair of vice grips to just vice grip into that channel that the door rolls in, yeah. or put a padlock in there, or a zip tie, or something that keeps that door from opening. Um, and simply having a garage door opener is not the solution. Yeah, the uh, it's interesting because we were talking about this uh, way of breaking into a garage door where you take a wedge and you you fish a coat hanger, a coat hanger, and you just pull that little thing. Well, there's a product made uh, that I think was on the Shark Tank. Oh, probably that uh, it's called the Garage Shield. Uh, you can buy them on Amazon for like twenty bucks, and all it does is it clips on the front of that little arm. That little release, yeah. yeah, It's just a big shield uh, that doesn't allow anybody to access that uh, that little release handle. Right, unless you're standing in the garage. Pretty pretty Mm -hmm. cool product for about twenty bucks. Yep, pretty cool. So just take the take measures to make sure that you're secure. Garage doors, uh, I think, are something that slips your mind when you're thinking about securing your home. And remember that the garage door is a big access point and. Unless you're taking measures to keep it locked and closed, uh, it might not be as secure as you think it is. No, you're absolutely right. It, well, you know, it's like anything, though. Any, I mean, if a, if a criminal wants to get in, they probably can, right? They're, they're going to find a way to get in. But well, well, yeah, the I mean, idea is to not make it easy. Right, right. You have to think about this. You've got windows in your home, and windows are glass, and glass breaks, right? So if somebody wants in... They're going to get in. Like you said, it's a crime of opportunity, and taking away the opportunity is uh, what gives you your best chances of, of avoiding burglary. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit, a, a few things. Let's talk about a few things that you can do outside of your home to make it more secure. Uh, like you said, leaving around ladders. Right. If you have a ladder uh, propped up against your house, and you keep your second story windows open because you think nobody can get in there. <laughs> They're not going to scale my house. Well, you've got a ladder right there. Yeah, that's an invitation for sure. So you're you're leaving an opportunity for somebody to pick that ladder up, click it against the house, climb right in. Yep, that's right. So if you have a ladder and you store it outside, put a lock on it. Mm-hmm. Latch it to something that it, it won't make it as easy. Uh, a lot of people have tools in their shed. If you have a shed full of uh, tools that will allow somebody to easily break into your home. Like if you have a shed full of, you know, a sledgehammer and an axe and all of these things, and they can just open that shed. Well, oh, hey, there's the there's tools a, I need. There's to a crowbar right there. Smash into this house. Borrow this. Yeah. yeah. Those are the kinds of things. Don't make it easier for them. Absolutely. Another thing that's important, right? Um, make sure that the outside of your house is properly illuminated. Make sure that you have lights. Make Outdoor sure that, lighting. Make sure that those lights come on when there's motion. Um, you you can't know when they're going to be there, so you can't turn a light on while they're there unless it comes on automatically when it sees motion. That's really the, the very best way. They don't want to operate in the light where they can be seen. So if you can make uh, if you can make the lights come on when they come around, you may be saving yourself from 
being burgled. Yeah, there's <laughs> burgled. There's also landscaping that you can do along with landscape lighting uh, that will help you stay more secure. Mm-hmm. Planting prickly or thorny bushes, like rose bushes, under your under your windows, or keeping large hedges trimmed down. Uh, a criminals when they scope out your house, they're looking for easy ways to stay hidden. If you have large fences and large bushes and large shrubs all over the house that will allow a criminal to sneak up, right? They love that. Yeah, that's absolutely. what they're looking for. But if they have, if they see nicely trimmed bushes that they can't hide behind with with landscape lighting or exterior lighting that illuminates everything, they're going to go to the next house. Right. Hopefully they're not your neighbors. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hopefully they'll go to another town or to another city. But you have to you have to make sure that you're addressing all of those issues. And you know what? It doesn't hurt to have cameras on the outside of your home. You know, well. Tony, I just did this. I bought a camera set on Amazon for like 150 bucks. It's got a DVR recorder. It's they're wireless. All I had to do was you know, have a plug nearby. So I put one outside in my garage. I put one in my shed. I put one out front. I put one on the front door. And I tell you what, it records two weeks of uh, video on all four cameras. Comings and goings. Yep. Of everything that happens, nonstop recording. And then after two weeks, it overwrites everything. So if I ever had an issue, I can check out my cameras, see what's going on, see who did that. It even has a phone app that connects to my Wi-Fi in my home, and I can get direct updates right on my phone if there's a uh, an alert or movement detected. Oh yeah. So if I'm expecting a you know a delivery, if I have an Amazon delivery coming, mm-hmm. I get an alert on my phone that hey somebody has walked up to your front door, and I can look at it right on my phone. Wow. So it's a pretty cool technology for 150 bucks, huh? Yeah, that's for a, 150 that's, bucks. That's amazing. There, it's pretty basic. You know, but there's a, there's a lot of technology out there for not a lot of money, and it it doesn't take a whiz to uh, to be able to install some of these wireless things. So, what about uh, the neighbor's cat? Does the neighbor's cat set off your uh, your alert? It does, it does. <laughs> but you know, that's kind of one of the things. Would you would you rather be alerted by a cat once in a while, or, um, or not know when yeah. somebody's stealing your recently purchased camera system? When that yeah, when <laughs> that the, came to you via. Yeah. Uh, FedEx from Amazon, the the Amazon Bandit. <laughs> yeah. I mean that that happens all the time. Yeah, you know, especially around Christmas time, people get packages delivered, and people follow, you know, delivery trucks, delivery trucks, and as soon as they get delivered, they wait around and nobody's looking, run up, and snatch it, and then they give that gift to somebody else and pass it off as their own, only to realize so rude. they stole my baby diapers. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> We got to take a quick break, folks. When we come back, more home security. You're listening to Tony and Corey. Your weekend warriors will be right back.
listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, today on the show, we're talking about home security. And, uh, you know, I have a list, Tony, of hiding places in your home that you can store your valuables in that I guarantee you that very few people would be able to find. Well, they would be. it would be very difficult for them to find until you share them over the radio. Yes, criminals right now. Criminals, turn off your turn radio. Turn off your radio. <laughs> this, is, this is not for you. This is for non-stealing people only. Yes. (laughs) Here's the key. The key to this is say so many different places that they just won't have time to check them all. (laughs) Well, I've only got about 14. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, Uh, hopefully at least one of those you won't uh, you won't yeah. think of well yeah i mean you know there's there's a million places to hide stuff but i feel like sometimes you just don't think um about about what would be a good one and whichever one of these grabs you and um and makes you feel like that's the one to do well then it's going it it's going to benefit you any way you look at it yeah so tony and i scoured the internet and we found all of these cool hiding places uh the first one on my list is an old vacuum cleaner Think about that old vacuum cleaner that you were getting ready to throw out. Keep it. Who has an old vacuum cleaner? I mean, do, Who do you have two vacuum cleaners? I've got four. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I don't, I don't know old vacuum cleaner. Okay, I'll go along with that. If you hold on to a vacuum cleaner, it takes up uh, you know, one square foot of space uh, on the floor yeah. in your home. Um, well, you could put it anywhere. You could put it in any closet. You know, you could put it in any, like a bonus room. It doesn't matter where. Here we are. We're the guys that tell people don't pack rat. If you haven't used it in 24 months, get rid of it. Uh, true. Unless it's an old vacuum cleaner that you're storing your valuables in. Well, you know, it's just a good storage <laughs> spot. Who would think? <laughs> what criminal is going to go into the closet and go, ooh, look at that old Hoover. <laughs> That could could net me three or four dollars at a garage sale. Nobody is going to take that. You're right. I'm just saying. Okay. So inside of the place where, you know, inside the bag or whatever, you know, it's a good spot to store some things. It's a good idea. What's the next one? Next one is, uh, this one's actually pretty, pretty crazy. Pretty Pretty sneaky. sneaky. So when you, when you look in your kitchen, when you walk into your kitchen, all your kitchen cabinets, your uppers, Mm -hmm. your upper kitchen cabinets. Your wall cabs. They're all built together in sections, and then they put them together, and there's always a gap. There's always a gap between those cabinets. Viewable from the top of the cabinets. Or the bottom. Or from the bottom, yeah, right. When you look down underneath, you'll see where the cabinets come together, and mm-hmm. there's like a little quarter-inch slot, mm-hmm. sometimes larger. If you have access to the top of those cabinets, what you can do is say you have some important documents or some cash that you're trying to store or save. You can put it in an envelope, put binder clips on top of it, and drop it down and hang it. Interesting. Between those two cabinets. Interesting. That's it's a pretty a, cool idea. That is a pretty cool idea. I'm not sure criminals are going to be jumping up on your countertops looking for that. No, probably not, for sure. I'm not sure that I would be able to remember that it was there, um, but 
but that's a really good idea. Or your spouse. Right. You know, hiding that hundred bucks. <laughs> uh, here's another cool one. I saw this one online. You take an old mayonnaise jar or a cool whip jar. Uh-huh. You wash it out oh, so it's you, all clean. Okay, you wash it. I just yeah, you, I wanted to make sure first that you were Run it through the it. dishwasher, whatever you want to okay. do. Make sure it's super clean. You spray the inside with like white or cream colored paint, something that looks like mayonnaise. Okay. Then you take a piece of wood, like a stir stick or a popsicle stick, and you kind of scrape it around the inside to look like somebody's... Had a knife in there. Yeah, had a knife. Pulling out some mayonnaise. The last little bit of mayonnaise. All right, that's smart. Let it dry Mm -hmm. and store some stuff in that. Wow. In the mayonnaise jar. In the mayonnaise jar. The the painted white painted mayonnaise jar that is ingenious. I know you think about a criminal ingenious. like even Tony going for the snacks. Yeah, first I would... thing on Tony's list is to go get snacks. Yeah, but it's not going to be mayonnaise. Probably not going to be Miracle Definitely Whip. Definitely going to be protein, right? <laughs> that's uh, that's smart. That's a good one right there. I like that. Um, what about the cold air return? This is everybody has a cold air return. I feel like yes, and even if you manufacture one, this is actually a really good idea. You you find a spot in your home where uh, you've got a you know dead airspace wall and you take and you cut a hole the size of a cold air return. Mm-hmm. You screw screws in each of the four corners of that hole and you t- buy a cold air return grate that's the same size mm-hmm. and you put magnets on the inside of them on, on each corner. So that way when you hold it up to the wall, it sticks to the screws. Heads. Right, sure. Okay, that's smart. So... It looks like a cold air return, but it's really not. Interesting. It's just a hollowed out part of the wall that you can pop off and store stuff down in the bottom of it. Wow, that's smart. Yep, that's a good idea. I like that. Um, make a false bottom in a drawer. I've, I've done this. I've, this, is, this does not have to be that difficult to do, actually. You, you can do this in any drawer in your house. Yeah. Uh, in a kitchen would be a really good idea because in a lot of kitchens you have deep drawers. Uh, in my pots and pans drawer, I could have, uh, what you do is you just take a piece of plywood, thin, like quarter inch, maybe tempered hardboard Tempered hardboard's a good solution for that. Cut it the exact same size as the bottom of your drawer, or, or the drawer itself. Mm-hmm. Then you take little pieces of square wood, like uh, three quarter by three quarter, line the bottom of it, and then lay that plywood down on top of that, and you've got a nice spot down in the yep. bottom of that drawer that's completely hidden yep nobody with all would, the stuff on top of it nobody would ever be the wiser that's a that's a very smart thing to do make a removable hatch in the toe kick of the front of your kitchen cabinets oh yeah now that is a very tricky spot nobody looks behind the toe kick of the kitchen cabinets nobody yeah you know you think about it that's a good three to four inches of dead space down there. Mm-hmm. And especially in, a, a, say, if you're doing a kitchen remodel, think about that. That little piece of uh, wood that goes on the front, that toe kick, you could maybe put magnets on it to hold it on. I'm thinking about clips. that right now. It literally is a great idea. Yeah, and all you got to do is have some sort of little handle, hidden handle or little hole that you can stick your finger in and pop it off. And you've got all kinds of hidden storage under there. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would be wary of, right, is you forget about it. Well, yeah, like uh, like if you were to put it in an old dried paint can in the garage, right? I've got which is about, another good hiding spot. I've got about sixty two old dried up paint cans in the garage 
And if one of them had a couple of thousand dollars in it, I'd be afraid that I would forget where it was at or that it was there. I am a very forgetful person. I know. I would have to make a list and hide the list. And then I would have to have clues to find the <laughs> clues, to find the list, to find the places. The, the, your burglar comes in and finds this list and says, jackpot. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to every single spot and gets everything. <laughs> I've got a couple more I want to share after this break. Okay, though. we'll be right back, folks. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Uh, today in the show, we're talking about home security. Uh, you know, one of the tips, Tony, that I was going to give out is to not leave expensive items outside. Mm -hmm. uh, it draws people in. Hey, look at that expensive item. I want to steal that. And one of those would be your barbecue. But you know, your barbecue really is intended to be outside. I know, uh, but, so, uh, you know, home security-wise, it's a good idea to, to keep it inside. Well, but I'll tell you, here's a good home security tip for your barbecue. Cook on it all the time, and when they day, try to day. steal it, it'll be too hot. You know what we should do is uh, talk to Mr. Barbecue about that. Mr. Barbecue, what's up, my brother? Hey, guys, how are you? We're, We're doing, doing fantastic. Great. How do you keep somebody from stealing your smoker? I actually knew a guy that got his stolen. Really? He actually, yeah, they came on his back porch and took a brand new trigger. Wow, yep. yikes. Yeah. That but there stinks. Are things, there are things, there are some welded points on the barbecue you could actually wire up and lock. And like, for example, you could lock two of them together like I have. Um, obviously, I'm out in the country a little bit. I don't have a lot to worry about, but it, it's it's big money. I mean, you're looking at some of these barbecues that are 2000 bucks. You're looking at, uh, you know, these built-ins that, um, you know, they're worth just the built-in for the barbecue alone could be $1,500 just for that one part of it. And they just lift right out. Oh, yeah. So you got to be super, super careful. Super careful. Well, they but they say that's a good idea, actually, you know, uh, chaining your barbecues together if you have more than one. Another right. good idea is to uh, uh, dig a hole, fill it with uh, rebar and concrete, and put a loop across the top. That gives you an anchor point uh, to barb, you know, Put whatever you want bolted to it. Or work, the, right. the other thing you can do is chain your barbecue to your killer attack dog. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, and the two of them together will will be very difficult to outman. <laughs> yeah, the bright, the bright side is that they're loud when they move. So That's the, true. Yeah, barbecues <laughs> tend to rattle. That's so, absolutely the truth. That's why you have security cameras, correct? That's a, that is definitely one of our tips. Yep, that's absolutely yep. right. That's a good tip. We appreciate yep. that. But security yep. cameras might catch you doing those secret things that you do to the meat when you barbecue it, and then your secret will be out. That's right. You got to be super careful. Make sure Go you turn your back. 
<laughs> Turn your back to the camera before you yeah. season. <laughs> Go to the dark corner. <laughs> or the whole neighborhood <laughs> will know your secrets. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, cool. Uh, so what do you got for us today? Well, um, this show gets out. The show gets around. Um, and that's a good thing because I've been getting phone calls and emails from people with ideas and and uh, their ideas. And so that's a good thing. So um, I got a call from a gentleman uh, up in Longview, uh, and a guy named uh, Paul, and his name's Shepard. And uh, uh, he called me and said, because we had talked about Hawaiian barbecue sauce a couple uh, episodes ago, and he started calling me and talking to me about barbecue sauce. And there are so many different barbecue sauces out there you can order throughout the country on your shelves. They're just full of different kinds. But we're talking about getting into exotic stuff. Um, everybody has the Kansas City, the St. Louis, the Texas. They're all based on summer vinegar, summer mustard. But what we're talking about today is, you know, I like something that's quick and easy that everybody can do without getting too deep into it. And that's the red chili sauce along with a bourbon, uh, that Guy Ferretti's uh, bourbon um, Kansas City style sauce. Mm -hmm. Simple, easy, simple, easy. Add a little seasoning to it, you're done. But what, what we were talking about is let's get into get your base, find a base you really like. And then we're talking about fruits. We're talking about different kinds of alcohol. You can do bourbon. You can do tequila. You can do all kinds of different stuff. You can do, for example, he had a recipe that was in his family. And basically, they added to that family recipe by using Grand Marnay, and they would get hood strawberries and cook them down, render them down, get the juices, uh, put them through a uh, sifter so you don't have all the pulp in there, and they would mix it into their barbecue sauce. Oh, man. So, yeah, it, it sounds delicious. So, I mean, we're talking, you know, there's a Dr. Pepper one out there where you can add Dr. Pepper to recipes that add that flavor of, it's got sugar, it's got the flavor of the Dr. Pepper. Um, that's great. You could, you know, spice of peppers like jalapenos. Uh, dice those up and uh, uh, osterize those and put them into a sifter and use the juice to go into your barbecue sauce. So there's literally anything in your mind that you think might work will probably work. Blueberries, uh, raspberries, and all kinds of berries that you want to throw in there to add spice. And you make your own stuff. And you and I, we've all talked about this in the past, about making your own stuff and people looking at you like, Hey, it's not that hard to do, but you're really going the extra mile for your <laughs> yeah. guests yeah. To, to, to knock it out of the park. That, uh, that is incredible because I would never think to make my own barbecue sauce. How does yeah. one even start? Like, what is, what is the, product, the process in which you make barbecue sauce? Okay, that's a, that's a great question because, for example, Kansas City is a tomato-based or a ketchup-based, which it always blows me away when I watch these shows and I see these shows that they're dumping in ketchup. And to me, that doesn't equate out. Ketchup's done for something else, but like Kansas City, it's a huge ketchup base. So they use ketchup as a the base. They'll throw in some sugars, vinegars, and spices, and then try and thicken it up. Um, that's one, uh, like a St. Louis is tomatoes, and, and like a tomato base mm -hmm. with vinegars. So they'll use vinegars over there. But then you go down to South Carolina, and those guys like vinegar and mustards. 
So they get their yellow must. They just use yellow mustard, vinegar, lemon juice, sugar, and spices. Hmm. And that's how they make theirs. So each part of the country says they're the best, of course. But you go to uh, a little bit more to the east and you got the vinegar. And then you start coming over to like the Memphis. Um, it's similar to Kansas City, but they use molasses uh, instead of uh, some other stuff in there. So, you know, the molasses make it nice and gooey. Um, the other thing you got to do, too, is when you're cooking them, make sure. See, I always cook the meat first. And then if I do barbecue sauce on the meat, make sure you leave enough time for that to caramelize on the on the piece of meat that you're cooking, like chicken or whatever you're cooking. So and the ribs, make sure you get it to stay on and adhere to the meat while you're cooking it. Yeah, that's the way I prefer it. Yeah. And the, yeah. one one tip with cooking, like I've always heard that when you're cooking with barbecue or you're barbecuing with barbecue sauce, that you don't put it on in the beginning. No, it'll burn. It'll just burn yeah. and turn to. Yeah, you would. You have. You'll have molasses, sugar, brown sugar. All those will burn too much. Now, if you do some ribs and you actually start them out that way, and then you put them in tin foil, that will keep it from burning. But as far as direct heat goes, that will burn. Gotcha. So you just got to be careful. You, yeah, you go the last portion of the cooking, uh, but you got to make sure it caramelizes on it. Um, otherwise, you're just uh, when you see the tips of the meat. You start to see the tips of the meat um, start to get crispy. That's you know it's working. You know the barbecue sauce is sticking, mm -hmm. and it's starting to get that little crust around the outside. And then you've got the uh, middle part that's going to be a little mm -hmm. bit more juicy for you to just mow down. Yeah, and that's when Corey and I start to realize that we want that that bottle to say "Weekend Warriors Barbecue Sauce" by Pappy. You know what, you, you guys, you never know. <laughs> That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Well, That's Pappy, great idea. we really appreciate you coming on again and, and talking to Come us on. about uh, the amazing things that are inside your brain. Folks, if you haven't tried a Pappy dog, you need to get out and try one. Uh, we're in Market of Choice, the world, uh, Barber World Foods. Chuck's Produce is going to run an ad in Vancouver, and they're going to be on for a great price. That oh, sounds man. fantastic. That's just what we need. Thanks again, Pappy, so much for coming on. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, great. All right, folks, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, more home security. You won't want to miss this. We'll be right back. Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Thanks to Pappy for talking about that barbecue sauce. And I would never imagine. I've always wondered how people make amazing things like barbecue sauce and other things that I buy at the store. <laughs> um, and, and I wonder about it for a second and then I'm like, Oh, well I'm getting to the store. <laughs> um, but it's, I think it would be pretty rewarding to be able to dial in and make your own barbecue sauce and then to have other people eat it and say, man, Corey, 
that barbecue sauce is amazing. You guys where, should sell Where this. did you buy that? <laughs> and you're like, oh no. I created that from scratch. Made it. Weekend Warriors barbecue sauce. He's serious about that. He's going to do it. Weekend Warriors, Weekend Warriors barbecue sauce by Pappy, by Mr. Barbecue. All right. I'm okay. In. Back, right, to, yeah, back uh, to home security. Speaking of Weekend Warriors barbecue sauce, folks, if you end up buying Weekend Warriors barbecue sauce, which we haven't made yet, but if we did, you would want to keep it in a very secret place because people will come and steal it from you. That's how valuable it is. Weekend Warriors barbecue sauce. I agree with that. <laughs> anyway, so before the break, we were talking about hiding spots. I've got a couple more that I wanted to go over. Uh, a really good hiding spot in your garage is if you have a garage door opener, there's always a hatch that has a light in it or, you know, uh, the electronics that you can access that's a really cool spot to store something that you don't want somebody else to find. There's a spot for a battery. You just take the battery out and put it in that spot. I suppose. Yeah, but then you it wouldn't work, so probably want to do that. Uh, you, you already said uh, old dried up paint can. That's yeah. actually a pretty good idea. Just make sure that that paint can is um, one that you go just to the don't throw away. Doesn't go to the recycler. Here's actually a pretty good idea. <laughs> so take that old paint can and screw it down to your cabinet. Like up on the shelf, screw it down to the shelf. That way, you know for a fact you're not going to throw it away. Yeah, you'd be and like, you know hey, that there's this, something important. This paint can stuck to the shelf. I guess I'll just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I actually saw some. I watched a guy do a video uh, about creating fake plumbing inside of your garage or inside of a closet that looks like sewage drain pipe. So you take four inch drain pipe you make it look like it's coming out of the wall and you put a clean out on it which is a threaded end with you know the big square plug yeah. plug that threads in there mm -hmm. and then you have it do like a sanitary tee upwards and you have it go to the ceiling and so it's kind of held into place with wood blocks or whatever and it looks when you look at it you think oh that's a sewage drain pipe i mm -hmm. would never You'd never put your hand in there to no, see if No, I would never was, open that. To see if there was money in there. But what people do Smart. is they have that pipe and then that that plug, you just unthread it off and you keep some valuable stuff in there. Yeah. Or you could put all of your valuable stuff in a couple of Ziploc bags and put it in the actual sewage uh, clean out. That's a disgusting idea. <laughs> Nobody's going in there for it, folks. Just put it in there and then you have to clean it off. You'll have to launder You'll have to launder the money when you get it out. <laughs> you are a dork. <laughs> what, um, what else you got? Well, you know, that's not actually not a bad idea is taking uh, some valuables and putting them in a bag and keeping them inside of your, uh, the back of your toilet. Oh, wait, inside, the, in the toilet bowl? No, in the toilet tank. Oh, in the, the toilet water tank. tank. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. It's probably be a little bit grosser if it was in the toilet bowl. Probably. Then in the toilet tank. That's smart, Well, when the criminal comes in and has to use it, they're like, ooh, I gotta <laughs> oh, go. Oh, look, there's money right there in the toilet bowl. I'm leaving it. A thousand bucks. <laughs> um, another quick one is to uh, tape an envelope behind your headboard. Yep, that's, that's smart. A, that's an easy one. That's a good one. Um, I saw these things, this next one on my list, I saw these for sale, where you have a floating shelf. You know, you've all seen these floating shelves that look like they're... 
just floating on it your wall. It looks like it has no support underneath it, right. like most shelves do, right? But what that truly is, is it's kind of like a shoebox effect where there's a piece of wood that's screwed to the wall, and then this thing slides over it. Like a box. It's like framed like a box. Yeah, that slides over it. Well, they make them where when you slide that out, the support is that a, holds it up is it, a drawer. Is an actual, yeah, like yeah. an actual storage spot. That's a great idea. Yeah, so uh, the last one on my list is actually if you must store a key, like if you absolutely have to have a key outside, I've got a couple methods to uh, to hide your key so that nobody really knows. You know, because everybody's seen those plastic <laughs> fake rocks, right? right? Everybody's seen those. And everybody has a, a doormat that somebody slides a key under. Right. Those are terrible ideas. right. The first one on my list is to take an old medicine bottle, glue a uh, a large rock or a real rock to it. And then what you can do is find somewhere where you have soft, whatever, you know, in a potted plant or something, and you put the key inside the, the medicine bottle, close it up, and then drop that down in the dirt right up to that rock, and you'd never know that it was a hiding spot for a key. The other one is to install a fake sprinkler head. An absolute fake one with just the top, and you've taken all the guts out of it. If you've ever seen a sprinkler head, uh, they make them, they're about, I don't know, two inches in diameter and about uh, six inches deep. So when you take the guts out of it and just have the top on it, it's a pretty big hiding spot. So you can put a nice key in there or a couple keys for whatever you need. And let me just add one piece of advice to this advice put the sprinkler head or the rock someplace that's not right next to your door you're trying to open yes thank put it you around behind or beside or underneath or below or anywhere else on your property where you're not standing in front of the door when you grab it you see what i'm saying yes you could be doing anything on your property while people are watching you don't be standing next to the front door when you reach down and grab the key. Put it anywhere, anywhere else, hidden, any rock, in any dirt, anywhere that's not beside the front door or the back door or wherever you're trying to gain access to the house. That's really the big tip, right? It's, it's the fact is that you only have to use this in a case of an emergency. And so if it's inconvenient to get it, that's okay. If you are making it convenient because you use it too often, there's a deeper rooted problem that you need to fix. <laughs> I think, Tony, you had this problem, yeah. which is why you got an electronic I, lock. That's right. I suffered from that problem, which is why I solved that now. And all I have to do is remember a code. And it works really good. But um, the, the key to the key, the hidden key, is uh, put it somewhere where people can't see you getting it. And, um, and, and you'll have success there. Let's talk a little bit, Tony, about firearms. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have firearms, and they keep them in places in their home. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's probably a good idea to keep it in a safe. I know we've talked we talked about this before the show, Tony, and you said, "Well, I don't have any kids that live in my house. I don't keep my firearms in a safe." I do. I have kids. I have firearms, um, but I keep them in a safe, and I keep trigger locks over the trigger. Mm -hmm. So I feel confident that if someone were to open that safe and get that firearm out, A, I keep the pistol 
in its own safe, and I keep the ammo in a separate safe. So I'm not making it easy. I, I never want an accident. That's really all I wanted to say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we're addressing firearms in a, in a different way here. We're not saying that you have a firearm to improve home security. Some people view them that way as increased home security. What we're talking about is if you have a firearm in the house, um, just make sure that... Because here's the thing. If somebody breaks into your house, folks, um, as soon as they're going to steal a, a wedding ring, they're going to take your, your firearm. And if they get a hold of your firearm, then what are they going to do with it? Well, they could hawk it. And if it's registered under your name, you know, ultimately, you know, it's going to show up somewhere. Or they could use it. They could use it illegally. Uh, it's You don't even want to think about all those things. You don't want your firearm to end up in somebody else's hands. Bottom line. So if you're not locking it up to protect yourself or your children, lock it up to keep it out of the hands of somebody who should not have it. I'm supporting your decision to keep your firearms in a, in a locked space. Corey, that's what I'm saying. Good. Um, and so, and it doesn't really have anything to do with whether or not you can get to it quickly to protect your home or to protect your family. We're not judging anybody. We're simply saying, if you own a firearm, it should be locked up so that nobody else will end up with it. That's all we're saying. And I, this is not a political show. <laughs> Folks, we've got to take another quick break. As soon as we come back, we'll be wrapping up our home security show. You won't want to miss it. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. We're talking about home security today. And uh, I want to go through a list of things. Uh, let's just a recap of some of the things you can do to protect your home. Um, a good idea is to have a member of law enforcement come over and give you their professional opinion. You can do that. You can call the police department and ask them if they can send somebody over to just give their assessment of your property. Yeah. That's a really good idea. Get a get another opinion of how secure your home is. And if you don't feel comfortable calling law enforcement and you have a next door neighbor or a family member that you trust, get them over to the house and say, hey, let's uh, let's mock up a burglary. Right. I want you to see if you can gain access to the house. Once you get in there, I want you to get into your hands in a five or ten minute period the things that you would likely take if this was going on, and then let's assess what I'm not properly keeping um, hidden away and uh, and what parts of my house are uh, too easily accessible. It's Absolutely. a great plan. Corey and I have done this for each other, 
and um, and you can benefit from it as well. You should give it a shot. The only problem is when you went in my house, I think I didn't get that stuff back. You definitely didn't. I hawked <laughs> it, and I felt bad because I didn't get nearly as much for it as it was worth, <laughs> but, uh, but I appreciate that anyways. Uh, another thing you can do is make sure all the trees are trimmed up. If you have any down pipes or lattice work where you have easy access to upper floors, you don't want that. Especially if you have teenage kids, they're going to sneak out the other way. Yeah. Um, if you have skylights in your home, make sure that they're not easily removed. You would be surprised how many skylights are not properly fastened down that you can just lift up. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, I was actually noticing the the measures that you took on skylights at your home the last time I was looking at them. And you had some Simpson hangers. You've got them strapped down tight with lots of nails. Those babies are definitely not coming out. Yeah. Uh, you, and so yeah, it's important to take proper measures so, because those things can be, again, an access point. Another access point is maybe through a mail slot or a dryer vent or a pet entrance. If you've got a large dog and you've got a big doggy door, can somebody fit through there? Uh, just something to keep in mind, especially if you have a garage door or a side door with doggy door into your garage. Make sure you lock your entrance door from your garage into your home. Here's another really good one. You've been talking about replacing your entry door with an entry system, which would probably consist of um, a, a door, side lights on both sides, and maybe a transom over the top. That makes for a really beautiful entrance to your home. Uh, but those side lights can be easily broken, and then you, the handle of your door can be reached, the deadbolt can be reached, and access can be gained that way. Consider this. If you have side lights or want to install side lights or um, or having the windows replaced in your home, consider laminated glass. Laminated glass is like a windshield in your car. Uh, it's glass on both sides with a clear plastic sheet in the middle, which you cannot see, of course, but once the glass is broken, it keeps the glass from just falling apart into pieces and leaving a hole. In fact, uh, it's very, very difficult to get through and somebody trying to gain access into your house through laminated glass would uh, find that actually probably mostly impossible. Yeah, uh, that's a very good tip. Another one with windows is to have a locking mechanism for windows if you do want to open them. Uh, if you open them, say, five, six inches, they have locks that you can slide down to prevent them from opening anymore. That way you don't have to worry at night if you, if, you know, if you need airflow through your home, which is always a good idea. Fresh air is great, uh, but you don't want to have uh, the, somebody just be able to walk up and crack that thing open the rest of the way and climb in. Yeah, we talked about having a safe for your firearms. It's a good idea to have a safe also for other irreplaceable items like birth certificates or insurance papers or a, a written will or whatever types of, of very important documents that you have, um, passports and those types of things. Also, you should keep those in a fireproof safe. Yeah, That's and very keep smart. that fireproof safe somewhere where it's going to be protected. I have a fireproof safe, and I have that sucker bolted to the floor. That's a smart idea. Bolt that thing right to the floor. The bolts are on the inside of the safe, so if you can't open the safe, you can't remove the bolts from the floor, which means that safe's not going anywhere, folks. That's a that's a very smart idea and responsible. Here's one, too, because you said insurance. Yeah. Uh, something to keep in mind with insurance is... Mm -hmm. Somebody breaks into your house, they steal all kinds of stuff. Every 13 seconds. Somebody gets burgled every 13 seconds. That's incredible. Incredible. Say that happens. If the insurance company doesn't know what you have, then 
they won't know. And you have to, it, it is your burden of proof. Think about this. If you have expensive art, a or if you have... A $15,000 Van Gogh? Uh, I think a Van Gogh would be worth a lot more than okay. that. But that's okay. Maybe it was a think picture of a $15,000 Van Gogh. <laughs> uh, but think, I mean, because when we were discussing these things with our insurance agent, we had to get a separate uh, rider, they called it, for my wife's wedding ring. And anything like that, any sort of expensive item, single expensive item, won't be covered. So you have to make sure that you document everything you have in your home. It's a good idea to take your, say, your phone. Take your phone around your house and do a walking video uh, with commentary and say, I have this computer, and I have this monitor, and I have this, and I have that, and I have this piece of art. Here's this piece of art with this appraisal on it that I got appraised, and you have that in your safe, and it's worth, you know, $5,000 or $10,000, whatever that is. Art especially, because it's so subjective, uh, that you have to run that through your insurance company so they know what you have and what its replacement value is. I always recommend walking through with your camera or your camcorder, taking pictures everywhere of everything and uploading it to a cloud. If you have a Google Drive, that's a really good spot to keep all those pictures. That way you always have access to it. If somebody steals your computer or if it gets lost in a fire, you can access it. And it's a good idea, Corey. That's a great idea. It's a good idea to keep up on that when you make significant purchases, right? Before you put it into play, before you take that 65-inch widescreen TV out of the box and hook it up to your surround sound system, take a picture of that. Take a picture of it in the box with the receipt. Maybe if you can get the serial number, right? And, uh, and then just take that picture, upload it to the cloud. And if you keep uploading pictures to the cloud or where, put the pictures wherever you keep them, uh, as you acquire those things, you will always have that backup in, in case of a, a worst case scenario. And that's a really good idea. That's some great advice. Yeah, it's uh, have that conversation with your insurance agent. It's always a good idea because you never want to be caught having a, a house. Say you had a house fire and you lost everything. Mm -hmm. So unless you assign dollar values to it and the insurance company knows about it and you have that on your policy, uh, you won't be covered. Right. So in the case uh, you do get burgled, let's talk. Let's go run through the list of things that you should do if it ever happens. Okay, you come back to the house from wherever you've been and you realize it's happened. What's the first thing you do? Leave the house and call 911. Okay, you've called 911. They're on their way. The next thing. Don't touch anything. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to mess up with the scene, right? Um, do you just wait right there in the house? No, you go find a safe place and you wait there. Maybe at a neighbor's house or a friend or family member. Yep. Okay. Nine one one shows up. You meet them back over at the house and you take inventory. Make sure you know what's gone and what's not. Um, be of course thinking about your family first, right? Take care of the kids, the spouse, um, and then when that is all over. You want to clean that mess up and get back to a normal life as quickly as possible. Yeah, and then prepare. You you never want this to happen again. So if you've listened to this show, you know what to do. Take some proper steps, and hopefully it never happens to you again. And last but not least, if you don't have a home security system, you need to invest in one. That's what's going to save you. Thanks so much, folks, for tuning in. This has been another episode of Your Weekend Warriors right here on the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Network. Have a great week.